Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Unleashed. Today, I'm going to tackle a very pink topic, Barbie and Taylor Swift. I am a woman, a female human. I was raised in the 70s and 80s by two strong-willed grandmothers, five amazing, powerful aunts, and a mom who had my back always and inspired me to go big in life. As a kid, I went through my tomboy phase where I fished with my dad, learned to ride motocross in the deserts of Southern California, was obsessed with Dodgers baseball, the 80s Lakers with Magic and Kareem, and I learned to shoot cans like a pro with my cop dad. But I also loved playing Charlie's Angels with my friends in the neighborhood, riding our bikes fast and furious to catch the bad guys with Farrah Fawcett-styled hair blowing in the wind, and building out a pretend house with my best friend so we could play mama and care for our various baby dolls, baby dolls everywhere. I loved my Easy Bake Oven, and I especially loved my Barbie collection. They were all skin tones, hairstyles, and ages. I loved them all. My imagination flew to all heights of silliness, but also of opportunity about what I might be when I grew up. They didn't exactly have a doggy daycare entrepreneur, mom of four, wife of barbecue guru, governor, candidate Barbie, but they sure did open my mind to all the options I had as a young girl growing up in the 70s. When my 27-year-old daughter, Tori, was growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was still a rite of passage to go all in on Barbie. The dream house, the car, the pool, the airplane, all of it. We even had our own version of disabled Barbies after our guinea pig Stuart got loose one night and chewed every hand and foot off all 15 to 20 or so Barbies that she had. Just the hands and feet. It was weird, but it was also hilarious. So when the Barbie movie was released a couple weeks ago, the girl in me was so, so excited. The woman in me was skeptical. I didn't trust Hollywood with my childhood best friend Barbie, I just knew they would ruin it with all their woke BS and their innate ability to make everything good terrible. But all three of my girls, aged 27, 14, and 11, were dying to go. My mom, too. So I begrudgingly bought the tickets and picked out my favorite pink outfit to wear to the show. Would Hollywood Barbie be woke or would it be wonderful? You might be surprised by my answer. First, here's the general synopsis if you haven't seen it. Margot Robbie, who's beautiful, plays the stereotypical Barbie who wakes up to find herself malfunctioning. Flat feet and thoughts of death were not normal for Barbie to experience in Barbie land. To fix herself, Barbie must journey to the real world to meet the girl who plays with her and help her to realize the joy Barbie is supposed to bring her. Alongside her devoted partner, Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, Barbie embarks on this adventure to the real world. Let's set the scene. The movie does an amazing job at bringing every little girl's Barbie dream world to reality. Mattel's plastic world comes to life with stunning sets and amazing costumes inspired by Barbie's history. While Barbies weren't every girl's favorite toy as a child, the movie portrays Barbie's dream house meticulously, capturing all the small details of Barbie's playtime, From the waterless shower to her pouring pretend milk out of the carton to dazzling dance scenes and lots of music breaks. The film explores male and female stereotypes in a hilarious way while also highlighting the world of Mattel's role in Barbie's upbringing. 
It explores the extremes of feminism and misogyny, ultimately emphasizing the shallowness of each. It also targets the Mattel company in a really fun way, and Will Ferrell's portrayal of the hapless Mattel CEO on a board of all men trying to grasp new concepts for the Barbie brand is the perfect comedic break throughout the movie. Screenwriter Greta Gerwig does a shockingly beautiful job at crafting a delightful social satire for adults, poking fun at feminists and misogynists while encouraging us to reflect on the true desires of a woman's heart in today's society. Barbie's utopian world, Barbie Land, challenges traditional gender roles, but the film also addresses its flaws, notably the absence of children. Barbie's encounter with the real world gives her a glimpse of the beauty and imperfection of real life, leading her to make a significant decision. Ryan Gosling's performance Mm -hmm. as Ken It's so fun. It adds sincerity and depth to the character, and the film juxtaposes Ken's misconceptions about patriarchy with Alan, another character's more balanced masculinity. The movie challenges the notion that a world without patriarchy is necessarily better. The film portrays little girls imagining a world where they can be anything they want and enjoy time with their female friends, giving little thought to boys and men. However, as they grow older and face the real world, it seems societal norms dictate that everything must revolve around the men. And the idea of a world free from male dominance becomes an offense to some men. The film seems to challenge certain viewers to admit that anything not explicitly focused on men is seen as anti-male. Women wanting space and autonomy are misunderstood as militant and man-hating from their perspective. In fact, it's interesting that in Barbie land, where women are at the top of the hierarchy as doctors, lawyers, and even president, the men are treated with indifference. The women aren't mean or aggressive, they're just indifferent. Ken is just fine, he does his thing, but he sure is myth that Barbie doesn't spend much time thinking about him. Stereotypical Barbie is the skinny, tall, blonde, beautiful Barbie She was criticized for decades for being too commercial and too materialistic and for setting the wrong standards for little girls. Did you know that currently Mattel makes Barbie in nine different body types, 35 different skin tones, 97 hairstyles, and tons of different careers? No doggy daycare, though. (laughs) The film humanizes Barbie and delves into her emotions and insecurities, It shows that even an iconic figure like Barbie can grapple with feelings of inadequacy and uh, self-doubt, too. This elevates her character beyond the one-dimensional stereotype, making her relatable and pretty nuanced. And let's not forget the visionary figure behind Barbie. Ruth Handler, her creator, is actually from Colorado. She revolutionized the toy industry. Ruth Handler's character in the movie is portrayed as an innovative risk-taker who dared to challenge conventions. She realized that children, not parents, were the true target audience for toys and transformed the toy industry with her bold TV advertising strategy. The film does an excellent job of showcasing her innovation and determination. It's inspiring to learn about the woman behind Barbie's success, especially since she's from here. So, is this movie a feminist movie? Well, it depends on how you define that term, and boy, are there a lot of ways to define that term. For 64 years, Barbie has been telling us to empower and support each other through our play. So yes, when Greta, the producer, or Margot Robbie, the the lead actress, says it's feminist, from that perspective, I agree. 
the traditional sense of the term feminist and actually almost mocking the modern movement in some ways. Regardless of your beliefs or gender, I think it's a movie for everybody. There's something in this movie for everybody at least. One reviewer said, I saw a film that showcased how little girls imagine a world where they can be anything through play until they get older and the patriarchal system into which they were born does its damnedest to sever them from these possibilities by ridiculing and diminishing girlhood. I think that's pretty well said. You know, I've lived that as a young woman entrepreneur launching a franchise business in an industry dominated by men. I've lived it as a business owner trying to raise capital or sell my company in an environment where a very few small percentage of women-owned companies get investors to say yes. I've lived it as a mom of four kids, three girls, that had to balance all of it while being told I should be home more, I should be at my business more, I should be whatever more. I've lived it as a political candidate for governor in Colorado going up against an incredibly wealthy man that was always condescending and rude to me, who mocked me but railed about how he was the one for women's rights. I've lived it as a conservative woman, the most despised type of woman by so many. We're seen as traitors when all we really want is to be treated as individuals, including unborn baby girls that seem to not count, or the women athletes that are now irrelevant in the conversation about women's rights after so many years of fighting for them to get equal staging. The women's movement that I grew up in, that I was bolstered in by my badass aunts, Kathy Joe, Lisa, Debbie, Colleen, Jean, and my mom, Susie, and my grandmas, Betty and Marjorie, by my godmothers, Marcia, Diane, and Carrie, even though we all disagreed, they always supported me. It's being destroyed. I have three daughters. I will not stand by and watch all of our progress be wiped away. That's why I'm speaking up now. And to those of you that consider me irrelevant to the conversation because I am conservative, because I vote for individual rights over government control, and yes, it is that simple, because I'm pro-life and consider baby girls that aren't born yet to be relevant, I point to a woman's movement that I was raised in that respected our different viewpoints, that encouraged us to speak up, that had each other's backs, even if we disagreed, to speak up, to take a stand and be bold. That was okay with us disagreeing. We fought the patriarchy, not each other. That stood together, even when we didn't always agree. My aunts and I certainly have differing viewpoints, but they stood by me the whole election because they know my heart. They know I was born and raised to be a warrior for all women. It breaks my heart to see how that's melted away in our world, in my Barbie girl world, to see that Kyle Clarks and the Jared Polises of the world demean and belittle us because we have a different viewpoint. Men who have little girls of their own, their very own, God forbid one of them grow up to be conservative. Why do so many liberal women swoon over these men and join in on their cruelty to us in the public square? Why don't they see the irony in supporting their attacks on us when the Democrats are supposed to be free thinkers that fight for women's equality and even standing and free speech? There's no equality for women that have an R next to their name right now, especially in Colorado. It's nuts. But we are all moms. We are all businesswomen. We are all leaders of nonprofits and leaders in government. We just have different ideas about how to solve the problems we face 
And the problems that we face are solvable if we come together and find compromise, find agreement for our children, for our grandchildren. We're not evil or fascists or terrorist groups. We are women that care deeply about our country and our children. I think we can all agree on that. This film challenges us to look at the difference between the women's rights movement of the 50s and 60s and the feminist movement of today. The difference between coming together in our differences for one common purpose among women versus the breaking down of masculinity, traditional values, gender roles, and social justice in the name of a false view of feminism. Let's compare notes as moms from both sides of the aisle and see if this monologue in the movie doesn't find us some common ground. Let's start there. America Ferrara's character, Gloria, asks us to step out of the imaginary and embrace the complexity of real life. It's a powerful moment in the movie that resonates with so many women. I've talked to a lot of them after the movie, and we all agree that it was wild. It was the most important moment in the movie. It eloquently expresses the conflicting societal expectations placed on women and the pressure to be perfect in every aspect of life, no matter what party you're in. It reminds us of the challenges that women face and the need to break free from these unrealistic standards. It brought tears to my eyes. Really impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary. But somehow we're always doing it wrong. <laughs> you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old. Never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard, it's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll, just representing a woman, then I don't even know. That part of the movie Actually, the whole film leaves us with a thought-provoking message about embracing the real world and its imperfections. 
The film challenges the notion of a perfect world without flaws and illustrates that even the most idealized societies have their imperfections. Barbie's journey to the real world allows her to see the beauty and complexities of life beyond her plastic dreamland. It's a reminder that the real world is full of depth and authenticity. We should embrace it, not reject it, flaws and all. And we should embrace each other, differing politics and all. Come on, ladies, let Barbie find us common ground, a way to join together again and go pink instead of red or blue. Are you ready for some more girl talk? The Friday night before we went to see Barbie on Sunday, my husband surprised Holly, my 14-year-old, with tickets to Taylor Swift for her birthday. She and her two sisters and her best friend dressed the part as Swifties and sang their heart outs for three-plus hours. Holly said, of course, it was the best night of her life, but it was a great night for Colorado's economy, too. Taylor is actually a one-woman economic revival. Swifties across Colorado single-handedly brought back the hospitality industry here in Denver with just two nights of the ERA tour. Swifties are a unique and empowered fan community. They reflect Taylor Swift's status as a shrewd businesswoman who generates millions of dollars per show. The economic impact of her concerts is substantial, with her two nights in Denver alone estimated to contribute $140 million to Colorado's GDP. However, the real allure of Swift's concerts lies in the genuine connection and sense of community her fans feel through her music. I think back to various artists that have done that for me over the years. For me, it was Van Halen, or maybe Madonna did it in the 80s. But Taylor Swift's tours have consistently sold out stadiums with her recent Eras tour breaking all attendance records at various venues. Ticket prices for the Denver show soared, with economists estimating $38 million in ticket revenues for the two nights. Concert goers spent an average of $1,300 on related purchases and contributed over $200 million in direct consumer spending during the Denver concerts. That's a lot of money, a lot of GDP. The impact on Denver's economy is overwhelmingly positive. It benefited all kinds of industries, such as hospitality, rideshare services, parking lots, and retail. Swifties prepare for concerts with elaborate outfits and makeup inspired by her songs and music videos. So attending a Taylor Swift concert is a dream come true for a lot of young women and older women. It might just be a lesson in capitalism too for these young ladies and for Denver in general. This is the biggest event in a generation built with denim and sparkles and short skirts, pretty cowgirl boots and big Texas style hair. The line for the merch was crazy long. I heard story after story about how girls had strategized to get the funds for the connections to get the tickets, swapping, selling up, working hard. They learned about the importance of value in the market and the free markets in the process, all to support a badass young women billionaire paving the way for these ladies to make it big in their own lives too. It was a good affirmation that excellence matters, that working really hard and perfecting your craft, it pays off. That's capitalism. Take that, socialists, and learn from this, young ladies, that you can go out and make it big. That's the story of my American dream, too, with Camp Bow Wow. You know, Swift's concerts, they leave a lasting impression on fans, and they term PTSD, post-Taylor Swift depression, has been used to describe the afterglow when the tour ends. Many fans plan to follow her to other cities and continue that economic tailwind. 
I have to admit, at first, I wasn't thrilled about my kids attending a Taylor Swift concert based on some of her very opinionated political rants as a progressive, and I don't agree with a lot of what she has to say. However, my daughters were eager to see her live, and I couldn't deny the superstar's popularity, considering my daughters play her music constantly in the car. We do talk about her politics, and of course, I push back on a lot of that, but it brings up great conversations and allows us to have those conversations. So as I sat outside the stadium taking it all in, because I didn't go in, I let my kids go, and listening to the concert from afar, I was struck by the overwhelming emotions in that crowd of tens of thousands, mostly female fans. I witnessed the videos that were my daughters were sending me, and they were so moved by the experience. It made me reflect on Taylor Swift's influence and the old videos of girls swooning over the Beatles or the various groups over the years. You know, Taylor Swift is not just a pop star, but a role model for young women, for my own daughters, for good and bad. She serves as a confidant. She fights for them through her songs and her presence on and off stage. Her music addresses a range of issues faced by today's teenagers, from depression and acceptance to self-empowerment and resilience. So I'll give her that. Swift also tackles gender-related issues, like wondering how her career would be different if she were a man. And she has stood up to the male-dominated music industry, fighting for ownership of her own music and creative control. Maybe she deserves to have her own Barbie doll. By re-recording her albums to regain ownership of her music, she shows her passion for her craft and empowers others to assert their rights as well. Taylor Swift's music encapsulates the struggles of growing up, making her an inspiration for young women who grapple with societal pressures and professional challenges, just like Barbie did and does. She challenges the notion of having to be unbreakable and instead presents a holistic picture of womanhood's growing pains. Even if she says sometimes in rough terms, like her lyric, what's it like to brag about raking in dollars and getting bitches and models? If I was out flashing my dollars, I'd be a bitch, not a baller. And sorry for the bad language, but I think it's important to understand that's how we speak in today's society. But the message is the same and the struggles are the same. Regardless of how I feel about her political rants, I'll give her this. Taylor Swift has been an inspiration and role model for millions of girls, showing them that they have the power to shape their own destinies and create their own futures and be young, badass billionaires if they want to. Her impact extends beyond her music as she encourages young women to be resilient, authentic, and in charge of their lives. Swift is so bold and apologetic about her ambition and her success. She delivered a really, really long masterclass in confidence and pride here in Denver a couple weeks ago. And you know, I thought it was pretty awesome for my girls. Barbie and Taylor together last week reminded me of my power as a woman. As my 11-year-old daughter would say, slay girls, slay. <laughs>